Welcome to Broad Eye, the podcast that explores knowledge gaps in ophthalmology and eye care. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Broad Eye Podcast. My name is Sean Maloney, and today I am speaking with Dr. Alan Roth. Dr. Roth is the president of the board at the Cleveland Eye Bank Foundation, as well as a practicing clinical ophthalmologist at the Cleveland Clinic. Dr. Roth, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Ah, it's my pleasure. So uh, we're going to dive into a few topics today, but I was hoping we could kick it off just with a, a conversation about you and maybe the the, uh, you know, the 50,000 foot view of your uh, career journey, if you don't mind. Uh, sure. Well, uh, I'm born and raised in Cleveland, Ohio, and um, I did my undergraduate work at Washington University in St. Louis graduated from the Case Western Reserve University Medical School here in Cleveland, trained uh, internship and residency in ophthalmology at Mount Sinai Medical Center in Cleveland. It had a basic sciences in ophthalmology uh, course at Stanford. Uh, did a corneal fellowship at Tulane University under Dr. Delmar Caldwell in New Orleans. And uh, then I was in private practice for 12 years uh, back here in Cleveland. Uh, and I've been a, a staff physician at the uh, Cleveland Clinic Cole Eye Institute for the past 23 years. I'm married, have a beautiful wife, four children, two daughter-in-laws so far, and just living the dream, as they say. <laughs> no, that, that's that, that's great. You have to put the, the plug in there with the family, right? Because we all, <laughs> right. We, all we all know that's the important part. So, um, right. no, no, thanks for for that. Um, sure. Quick, quick question, but why cornea? Um, I always like to ask people, you know, when they get into a certain subspecialty within a specialty, you know, what is it that maybe drew you to cornea, or does that just kind of happenstance? Well, um, I actually uh, when I was. Uh, doing my ophthalmology residency was uh, torn between uh, retina and cornea. Uh, so I actually uh, looked around during the interview process at, at both uh, areas for a fellowship. And uh, just this opportunity came up uh, in New Orleans. And so that's, you know, sort of where I went. <laughs> oh, that, make, that makes sense. Um, so I was wondering if you can give a little bit of a, um, I'll, call it, I'll call it a journey, I guess, or maybe what has changed in, when it comes to cornea, whether it's diagnostics, uh, you know, research, therapies, et cetera. Uh, maybe what's changed over you know, your career? Um, and then maybe if there's anything in that space that you, know, you find particularly promising or exciting. Sure. Well, when I did my uh, corneal fellowship training, the, the big push was to uh, perform full thickness or penetrating keratoplasties. This was uh, in the late 80s. And uh, eye banking uh, was improving at that time. Uh, donor availability uh, was improving. Um, and uh, when I first went into practice, uh, corneal transplants uh, were performed as an outpatient procedure, uh, but uh, people were put on wait lists until the corneas became available and 
we were always rushing to perform transplants in the evening and sometimes in the middle of the night when the corneas became available we get the operating staff in and the patients in uh, frequently on weekends uh, because, you know, you just couldn't leave a busy practice in the middle of the day or uh, get uh, surgery time when, you know, the the operating rooms were taken. So um, uh, that improved over the years uh, to the point where uh, there was uh, enough uh, donor tissue availability and the uh, improvements in the preservation media such that um, the, the donor corneas had a, uh, a viable shelf life of uh, several days. And so therefore we could schedule patients uh, for surgery and they could be done uh, you know, on your normal operating time uh, at whatever institution you were working at, uh, you know, at the same time you were doing your cataract surgeries, for instance, uh, you could do a cornea transplant in between. So that really uh, improved the um, logistics uh, of doing cornea transplants. And then uh, over the last uh, few years, uh, improvements in the the cornea transplants uh, became available with partial thickness cornea transplants or a lamellar corneal transplants. And they, that really revolutionized the, the, the treatment because uh, with full thickness cornea transplants, there, there was a lot of stitches, there was a, a wound uh, issues. And uh, so, so the uh, partial thickness uh, corneal transplants have, have improved greatly on, on some of those issues. There's uh, two procedures called DSEC and DMEC which can be performed through uh, small incisions, uh, just like cataract surgery. And uh, it's, a, it's a much faster visual rehabilitation for the patients and uh, much less risky uh, as far as uh, trauma uh, after the surgeries. And, and so that, that's the, the biggest improvement that I see, uh, the, the uh, increased uh, storage time and preservation of these uh, tissues and the uh, 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 improvements to the uh, partial thickness, less invasive procedures. Oh, fair. Um, And you mentioned, like you mentioned the relationship here with iBanking, and this is a a good segue into, you know, the next topic I wanted to, to bring up um, was your other role. uh, When you think you have a few different roles (laughs) and professional roles, or one of them being, um, president of the board at the Cleveland Eye Bank Foundation. For people listening to this who you know have heard about Eye Banks, Eye Bank Foundations, but maybe have you know no familiarity with them and what they do, can you shed some light on on that, on you know what the foundation sure. does, and uh, you know and who benefits from that that work? Sure. Uh, well, let me uh, sort of uh, back up and. and give a little history as to sort of how, how we got to where we are uh, with the iBank Foundation, if, if I may. Um, in uh, Cleveland, we uh, had the uh, pride of being able to say the first cornea transplant uh, was done in uh, 1945 by a Dr. Charles Thomas. And that was at University Hospitals of Cleveland. Um, at the time, there was only one iBank in the United States, and that was in New York. 
by 1958, the uh, Cleveland iBank was essentially founded as the uh, central iBank for site restoration. So that was actually the first iBank outside of New York. Uh, in 1964, we officially changed the name to the Cleveland iBank. And uh, uh, as I mentioned before, uh, when we, we started, uh, it was uh, hospitalized patients uh, done on a sort of an emergency basis, but uh, with the advancements in the corneal donor storage media and preservation, we transitioned to outpatient surgeries. And by the 1990s, when I was uh, actively uh, involved in, in transplantation and I, and I got involved with the iBank at that time, or actually in the late 80s, there was a push for uh, professional and public awareness so that, you know, hospital employees were being trained on educating uh, families about donation when the, the, the time arose. Uh, the nurses, you know, were, were trained. And so um, that was a, a big improvement in helping iBanks all across the nation uh, procure uh, suitable uh, donor tissues for transplantation. And then uh, around 2012, the uh, Cleveland iBank actually merged with the Ann Arbor iBank and eventually uh, got the uh, Illinois iBank, the Connecticut iBank, and the New Jersey iBank all uh, involved and uh, became uh, an organization called Eversight, which is in existence today. And at that time, when the merger um, occurred, the endowment funds that the Cleveland I Bank had uh, raised over the years from 1958 to 2012 um, uh, were uh, kept. Uh, separately. And that was the uh, beginning of the Cleveland iBank Foundation. And so now the uh, foundation's uh, purpose is to um, uh, have a grant program using these endowment funds uh, to uh, uh, perform research uh, uh, at this point in the Cleveland area. Um, and so we've been working in concert with uh, three major institutions in our area, the, the Cleveland Clinic Coli Institute, uh, the University Hospitals Eye Institute of uh, Case Western Reserve, and the Akron Children's Hospital. Uh, uh, they have a, a vision center there. And so uh, we now give uh, unrestricted grants to these institutions to uh, perform a variety of uh, research, which we can then get into further on during the podcast. I'm going to put you on the hot seat, not the hot seat, but I just want to actually just dive right into that right now rather than later. I mean, you're talking about, um, you know, procuring um, tissue for, for transplants, for corneal transplants. Um, but I was just wondering, in terms of the research supported by the foundation. So there's money and then I, I'm assuming that there are um, uh, donor tissues as well. Is the research limited to cornea and corneal disease or um, are the research tissues that are procured uh, 
also used to you know study study other diseases or natural aging, etc. Right. So, so now the the foundation um, is, is not in the business um, anymore of processing donor corneas or limiting the funds to research for um, corneal uh, disease. Uh, there's um, ongoing uh, studies uh, for diabetic retinopathy, uh, glaucoma, um, age-related macular degeneration, uh, and uh, many other uh, congenital uh, conditions. Okay, no, that's, that's perfect. The, yeah. the you know, that makes it, it makes a lot of sense. I'm thinking, you know, you're procuring these tissues and, and uh, you're not controlling necessarily for, for the donors, right? It's like whatever, you know, if, if someone's willing to donate, you, you're accepting that. And then you're, you're, um, you're using that as, um, as best can, uh, as best you can to support the research, right? So the research um, that we fund, for example, Dr. Doug Ree at uh, University Hospitals. He's the chairman of the Case Western Reserve University Department of Ophthalmology and Visual Sciences at University Hospitals Eye Institute. And he's doing uh, glaucoma research. And then Dr. Dan Martin at the Cole Eye Institute, um, who is the uh, chairman uh, of the Cole Eye Institute. And uh, he's a professor at the Cleveland Clinic Learner College of Medicine uh, of Case Western Reserve University. And he's um, working on um, the effects, for instance, of uh, intravitreous antivascular endothelial growth factor versus sham treatment for the prevention of vision threatening complications of diabetic retinopathy. He happens to also be the uh, chair of the uh, diabetic uh, retinopathy Clinical Research Network, the DRCR, uh, which has six trials ongoing or about to launch with, um, I think, 1,800 participating clinicians. Um, we haven't directly funded that yet, but uh, that's, that's being funded by a, a host of sources. One of our uh, board members, uh, Dr. Jonathan Lass, uh, is, is uh, the, for, the former chairman of Case Western Reserve uh, University, uh, has uh, been uh, doing research on uh, acute corneal edema decades after penetrating keratoplasty for keratoconus in eyes wearing scleral contact lenses. Um, uh, there's uh, another researcher uh, at the Cleveland Clinic, Dr. Brian Perkins, who's uh, performing research uh, using our funds uh, on um, primary cilia that are present on endothelial cells of the hyaloid vasculature, but are not required for the development of the blood retinal barrier. Uh, Dr. Uh, Paul Park at Case Western Reserve and University Hospitals is doing research on differential adaptations in rod outer segment disc membranes in different models of congenital stationary night blindness. Dr. Hurdle is doing um, research at the uh, uh, Vision uh, Center in Akron, the Children's Vision Center, um, uh, where uh, he's working on um, uh, a host of uh, conditions uh, uh, because there are 350 hereditary eye diseases, uh, such as albinism, aniridia, 
color blindness, uh, corneal dystrophies, glaucoma, keratoconus, labor's congenital amaurosis, night blindness, retinitis pigmentosa, and retinoblastoma. Um, it's actually estimated that 30% of total blindness is from genetic or inheritable diseases of the visual system with congenital defects accounting for another 11%. So his research is uh, um, going to be uh, uh, tremendous for uh, young children and young adults with uh, all of these uh, congenital conditions. Um, Dr. Uh, Irina Pikuleva from Case Western Reserve is, is uh, doing um, uh, research on uh, retinal cholesterol. Um, and, uh, and there's others. Uh, Dr. Connie Tam is uh, researching whether antibacterial eye drops can help prevent or reduce the severity of uh, the disease caused by Pseudomonas, which is a major bacterial pathogen, which leads to serious eye infections. So these are, these are the, the, the studies that so far um, the Cleveland Eye Bank Foundation, the funds uh, have helped support. So there's uh, really uh, uh, way more than just corneal uh, work being done uh, using this, the, these funds. I don't think you could have answered that question any better. <laughs> Thank you. And like, okay, here's a dozen examples of we're not just cornea. No, 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 no. That's I mean, that's amazing. The uh, and now is this something that you think is fairly unique about the Cleveland Eye Bank Foundation and and the breadth of research that it supports, um, or if there's any other unique aspects of the foundation that you're interested in pointing out. Well, you know, the, what I see as unique is that it's a, it's a new foundation, essentially. Uh, there's, there's much larger, uh, you know, foundations in this country, but this is a local foundation that at this point in time has been trying to um, uh, provide the funds for our uh, local institutions in, in Northeast Ohio. Uh, which I, I think is, is very unique. I don't know that there's a, another uh, iBank foundation or uh, iResearch foundation uh, quite like it in the uh, United States. And, you know, you highlight the, the, the local focus, but for people who are not familiar with, with the Cleveland Clinic and, and the ophthalmology program there and the research that goes on there, you're not just talking about some sort of, you know, small town research program and, you know, small impact. I mean, some of the, you know, some of the most impactful research studies and uh, come out of the, the area, right? Come out, come out of the Cleveland Clinic and, and the researchers there. So um, as much as there's a local focus on, on the funding from the foundation, you're supporting, you know, an array of, you know, world-class clinicians and scientists, right? It's not just, you know, uh, somebody down the street, right? That, that's right. I mean, the, the ongoing research is, is already uh, being funded uh, by other organizations as well, of course. Um, and uh, uh, this, this adds, you know, the, the local support that's needed uh, at the Cole Eye Institute, uh, the new chair of the ophthalmology research department, Bella Anand Apte, is uh, uh, instrumental in um, 
uh, organizing all of her uh, researchers and, and the, um, uh, the, the labs at the Cole I Institute. Um, I, I, I know the, uh, a, lot of, a lot of places, uh, labs are separated from the, the clinical areas, but I know at the Cole I Institute, the labs are right in the building. So that, uh, that's uh, really, uh, it really helps uh, um, combine the, the clinical resources and, and patients uh, that are willing to contribute to eye research, uh, uh, you know, essentially from bench to bedside, as they say. Oh, no, for sure. And for anybody who is a researcher training in that environment, it is, it's night and day, right? When, you know, and I've been in both situations and uh, my own studies where you're more isolated and you're in a lab and you, you know, you have this you know, theoretical hypothetical patient impact down the road and you can kind of see that, but when you actually like speak with patients with these diseases or you're, you know, you're seeing the imaging being done, these patients and it's like, Whoa, this is, this right. is real. No one's playing here. Right. And, and it's, it exactly. gives you a different, and it just gives you a different uh, perspective. And I think that centers that bring the clinical and research elements very close together and vice versa for the clinicians, these the clinicians are the frontline workers who can, you know, even inform the research before anything's ever published and say, Hey, I'm, I'm seeing this and this and this, this, or it'd be amazing to have this type of test, or if there was a way to, to know this and uh, just those, back and forth communications can lead to, uh, um, to some of the most amazing research was certainly, you know, the Kauai Institute is, is among the leaders in that space, right? Right. So if I may, um, I'd like to, at this point, uh, just kind of give a plug. Um, the, the research uh, that I mentioned uh, was presented uh, last year in our, uh, our first uh, virtual uh, vision research uh, symposium um, and our, um, uh, our upcoming um, second year uh, uh, symposium is going to be um, on Tuesday, uh, February 15th, 2022, from 3 to 5 p.m., where uh, many of these researchers that I've just mentioned are going to be uh, presenting their latest uh, research uh, breakthroughs, and, uh, updates on, on some of the um, research that they presented last year. And um, uh, this is uh, a free event and open to the public. Um, and to uh, register for the webinar, if I uh, may, um, uh, you can go to the Cleveland iBank Foundation's website, which is cleyebankfoundation.org. So I'll repeat that. That's C-L-E-Y-E bankfoundation.org. So it's all one word, .org. Um, or you can actually find it on the foundation's Facebook page and access the registration link there. And I think uh, uh, if, if you're interested in these kinds of things, uh, that would be a, a, a very good use of uh, two hours of your, your time and very interesting and very fascinating. Oh, for, for sure. You're stealing my thunder. I was going to serve yeah. this up as like a great topic and, and ask you, <laughs> oh, this is all, oh, this is great. Um, but just maybe on a, um, just kind of a last point I can come to around that is um, we talk about, you know, researchers and clinicians being in the same space and having conversations. 
um, this type of symposium can really try to put um, you know researchers uh, in contact with the public and and for the public to understand when they are you know supporting research like actually where is this money going what's happening what's going on in the field and I think that that's uh, you know bridging that gap is is certainly valuable. Do you see a I don't know how I want to frame this question, but uh, that connection, I guess, between the public and researchers for looking at last year's symposium, have you seen, you know, a, a lot of enthusiasm around that from the research or from, well, I guess, the research community and the public? And um, has that been helpful, I guess, in fostering support for the foundation from the public? Well, uh, yes, we're, um, we're, we're trying to get, you know, the message out there. Um, uh, the, uh, Symposium last year uh, had some uh, reporters present from uh, different medical journals, and, and and I might just mention that Ophthalmology Times uh, attended and then uh, uh, published uh, a summary of, of all these uh, presentations that were given at the Virtual Vision Research Symposium. So that got it out there. Um, to uh, those of us that that do you know read the, those types of uh, medical uh, journals, and then um, and then we've also um, uh, you know with social media tried to get our mission out there uh, through uh, you know our Facebook page and, and, and you know Twitter um, you know etc. So we're we're our social media uh, has been improving and growing, uh, you know, in the last uh, year or two. And, and I think that that fosters, you know, a lot of interest for the, the general public. Excellent. No. So I guess my last question for you is um, for people who are listening to this, they want to uh, partake in the symposium, the virtual symposium, and you highlighted how they can do that. Um, but people who want to uh, you know, take a next step and support the iBank Foundation in some way, what opportunities exist out there other than attending the, the virtual symposium to support the iBank Foundation? Um, well, if you, if you go on our website, um, you can learn more. And uh, there, there's links there where people can actually uh, donate funds to, uh, to the cause. So that's probably uh, the, the best way at this point to, to get involved and, and, you know, get on, get on our mailing list, as they say. <laughs> excellent. Excellent. Well, listen, the, for anybody listening to this, I uh, hope they follow that advice. They check out the, uh, the virtual research symposium. Again, that's February uh, 15th. I think you said from 3 to 5 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, Correct. So we can certainly link to that in the uh, and as we publish this episode of the podcast, um, and I hope that they continue on and, and support the foundation in, in any way possible. So, um, Dr. Roth, I certainly appreciate you taking the time to chat with me today. Um, definitely been fun. Um, you're obviously somebody who is doing a lot of great things in the space, um, you know, as a researcher, clinician and uh, with the foundation. So um, I'm sure you're only at the beginning of your long career in this space, <laughs> despite well, you mentioning the 12 years and the 23 <laughs> years and all, and all those things. Right. So right. Uh, you, men you mentioned the wonderful family that keeps us all young. So uh, I, uh, right. I'm happy to happy to speak with you and, and really happy that you're doing this great work. 
Thank you. And we appreciate the opportunity that you've provided for us to uh, get this out uh, further to, to the public. Thank you. Excellent. Thank you. And that concludes today's episode of the Broad Eye Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Of course, ratings and reviews are always welcome. And you can certainly share this episode with any of your colleagues or friends who might enjoy it. Thanks for listening.